Welcome to the Broadcorp Report with your hosts, Becky Allery, and of course, the guy whose name is on the door, Michael Broadcorb. And I am your moderator. I am Todd Walker. I've been away the last couple weeks. Pleased to be back. We are right now at the eighth different location and eighth different way that we are taping the show. So here's the deal. This podcast is brand new. We're going to look to you for your comments, your inspiration as to what we might want to change, what we might want to do a little different. So if you're listening to the sound right now and uh, maybe my S's are starting to annoy you, say, hey, Todd, enough of with the S's. Or if you're hearing some sniffles or whatever you're hearing, we want to hear from you because all we're all about is making this better each and every week. So please, Reach out to us. You know how to reach out to Michael and Becky. We'll be telling you more about that at the end of the show. All right, so I am back. I have returned, and of course, we'd be remiss not to talk about the breaking news, even though we're in this you know week right before Christmas, and we're going to lighten it up after. But coming here today to record... All the news stations are letting us know there's breaking news. It's coming across the radio. It's coming from everywhere. The January 6th committee report is out. And, guys, I need your reaction to what we've learned. Becky, let's start with you. Yeah, you know, I think it's a long-awaited result of of the many hearings, the lots of interviews we've watched, um, some horrific video and, and words we've heard. And, you know, part of the report that really stood out to me, it said the central cause of January 6th was one man, former President Donald Trump, who many others followed. And this is the part that was really alarming and and very telling to me. None of the events of January 6th would have happened without him. So he is being um, pursued on multiple crimes, obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to make false statements, assisting and aiding an insurrection, conspiracy to injure or impede an officer, and conspiracy. I mean, not a good day to be Donald Trump. Well, so it literally could not have gotten much worse is what it sounds like. Is that right? From my reading, no. Wow. Michael, let's hear what you have to say. This gets into a frustrating aspect of the overall kind of process is because this should matter more to Republicans than what it does. Um, I think that there's been a real buffer that Trump has built up where he has found a way that none of this stuff sticks to him politically. He's very much the new Teflon president. Um, This stuff should matter. The committee report should matter. The referrals that were made today should matter. Ultimately, I don't think it does politically. I think that he's still, as he's going through the presidential process to run again, I think he's still the front runner for the nomination um, because I think that the cake is already baked with so many Republicans about the activities of the January 6th committee. It should matter. Um, it's one of the issues that I struggle with a lot with the Republicans, that they don't take it more seriously. Um, but this is not a small matter. And it should matter, but I don't know how much it will, which is unfortunate. You know, I think that we see this often with some of these events that become highly politicized, right? If you watched what happened on January 6th as it was happening and it wasn't alarming to you, this this hearing, this report's not going to be alarming to you. I think we can go back to, to other things that maybe Democrats were on the other side of the Benghazi hearings. If that wasn't alarming to you at the time, um, the, the what came out of that committee hearing wasn't going to be overly alarming. It's kind of some of these things that regardless of what the facts end up being when it's so highly politicized, 
right or left, it doesn't matter. You've chosen your side before it became. Okay, but explain this to me a little bit. Uh, educate me on what this means to Donald Trump and his uh, his chances of running, getting the getting he might get the nomination uh, legally if he is charged. Uh, fill me in. Can, help me out with what this means. So what the House Committee did today was refer charges to the Justice Department. The House Committee can't charge the president. They can refer criminal charges to the Justice Department. So now it's at the feet of Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, to decide if he's going to pursue charges against the former president. So um, they already got kind of a, a busy to-do list with the former president. Um, and so this was the final hearing um, of the committee before the new Congress comes in. Um, this committee will in some will be dissolved. And so this is the last, I think the last act of this committee um, is to refer these charges to the Justice Department. So ultimately, if the Justice Department decides to pursue the charges, that will be a decision made by the leadership of the, of the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, who's the Attorney General. So if Trump, it's very possible as he continues to go through the nomination process and, he, and as we get closer and closer to the kind of the m- more of the, the meat of the nominating process, he could be simultaneously facing a number of criminal proceedings as that's going on. And the question is, will it matter to Republicans? Will it matter if he is in, in a courtroom uh, brought in, you know, is, is he you know, being arraigned or other types of things? Will it matter to Republicans as he's, as he's running for president? You know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Merrick Garland and, and Republicans don't necessarily have a nice, cozy relationship. Um, if, I, if Obama wanted him to be on the Supreme Court, McConnell... And other Republicans said no. So, I, you know, again, it kind of comes down to there's a lot of Republicans that before this, I mean, the cake is already baked. Before anything proceeds, Merrick Garland is out to be get Republicans. And so, I, you know, it's going to be it's going to be troublesome unless at the end of the day there are criminal proceedings that do end up preventing Trump from proceeding. This all of this should matter to Republicans. It should. 100%. Ma- it should matter during the process. The question is, will it? And I just don't know if it will. Wow. So it's, it's surprising to hear that this is almost a non-event in the likelihood of Donald Trump getting the nomination and having the opportunity to run. And that's a, a pretty sad day, if you ask me, man. It's unbelievable. All right, uh, let's move on to one of the other interesting things that has happened recently. And I, I point to you, Michael, uh, is to your reaction. Twitter suspensions. I mean, you are an active guy on Twitter. Before I even knew Michael Broadcorp, I uh, knew Michael from Twitter and his uh, activity. So you're very active. And these recent suspensions of journalists, two of them that are right here in the state of Minnesota, I'd be interested to uh, hear your reaction. What's been going on since Elon Musk took over as as the head of Twitter, since he purchased Twitter, has been frustrating. Um, I'm all for drama. As some people have said, I put the fun in dysfunction. Um, but this is just getting ridiculous. The level of, I think there's an overall lack of transparency that's coming with this process. First of all, let me say at the beginning, it's a private company. He can do with what he wants. That being said, it would be better from a leadership standpoint if there was some transparency related to some of these policies, uh, if there was more thought put out on them. For example, yesterday, um, I just was you know re- scrolling through Twitter. I have a link tree, which is a, you know, a, a, a little aggregator of all your kind of your social media accounts. Right before I was about to go off to a holiday party with my family, uh, there's a, a new Twitter kind of policy that's unveiled that says link trees are no longer allowed. So I quickly just adjusted in my bio to you know my personal website, michaelbroadcorp.com, which 
a lot of people don't have their own website, so they use these kind of aggregators of links. Um, by the time I got out of the Christmas party, uh, those tweets have been deleted, and the policy was then gone. There's just a level of uh, erratic kind of leadership going on with Twitter that would be good, I think, for the users who believe in it. I am one who am a big believer in Twitter, the platform. Um, it's the one I use the most. I would really like there to be some stability in terms of the user experience. Um, and I'm also, I'm also frustrated by how a number of these journalists were treated. I, I think there's, there's an area that needs to be discussed, and I hope we can do it more on, on further shows, about the First Amendment, social media, and what was actually done in this case. But the one thing I can say pretty consistently and strongly is that the level of drama that's coming with Twitter just needs to kind of stop. It needs to just be a platform. Uh, and so I hope Musk and who, who's ever at the helm of Twitter right now realizes that from a user perspective, it's getting a little difficult to deal with. You know, so one of the things you said is is Twitter is a private company, and this is something that I've seen a lot of people that are, you know, kind of poking fun at the Democrat journalists or, or, or quote-unquote liberal journalists who were suspended are saying, well, back a year ago, two years ago, you were saying the same thing when Trump and, and Republican, you know, Kaylee McEnany, what, you know, all of these Trump folks are were suspended. You were saying, well, they're a private company. They can do whatever they want. But now that a liberal journalist or, or tens or hundreds of liberal journalists are getting suspended, um, you know, there's this this sudden outrage, this faux maybe outrage in some respects. What's what's your response to that? Of what is the difference between what was done previously and what is being done now? Is made, there a difference? I made no comment about Donald Trump being suspended versus the journalists that were just recently suspended. So I, I don't have a, a policy of commenting. My more out, the thing that I'm most frustrated with was kind of the link tree stuff and a little bit of that drama. Just from a user perspective, I wish it was just there was less drama, less there was consistency with the features. I, I believe that it was the right of the the journalists. I mean, it was Twitter was well within the right to ban the president, uh, former president at the time. Or I think I think he was still the president at the time when he was banned. Um, I understand that they have the right to do what they did to these journalists, but my frustration particularly my comments here today, are more focused just on the user experience, the inconsistency with the policies, um, the fact that there's not more clarity. I think it would be better if Twitter spends some time rolling these out in a more thoughtful way. I think there's been some improvements. Uh, an edit button, um, things like that are great. As someone who uh, has, has the occasional typo in a tweet, it's great to go back and have that short-term edit feature. So consistently, from a consistency standpoint, Twitter was fair they were well within the right to ban the president at the time. They're well within the right to ban these journalists. Um, I think, uh, but from just from a transparency and for the ability to company to grow and attract new followers uh, and stay a, a software platform or a social media platform, I should say, that people want to invest and stay on. I just was, wish there was a little less drama. All right, Becky, one final comment. Yeah, all I want to say is this, you know, kind of comes down to some of my frustrations within the Republican Party or Republicans as a whole is we see, you know, these opportunities where you can take the high road, be the bigger person, and this is kind of one of those, right? We've seen these Twitter files come out that have emails and, and proof of maybe Republicans, officials, electeds being targeted by Twitter and by tw Twitter's teams um, over, you know, through the Twitter files that have been coming out over the last couple of weeks. Um, this is an opportunity for them if, if, you know, Republicans who really, you know, want that to be the hill for them to die on to say, we have been targeted. This was a liberal machine that was targeting whether it's Trump or, or whatever Republican official. 
And then here you go and take away any wind in your sails by by a Republican or, or you know, uh, other Elon Musk doing the same thing to the liberals. And I think it's just an opportunity, another situation where we step on our own feet, have that lack of message discipline and just really get in our own way. All right. Let's lighten it up. We are approaching the Christmas break, the holiday season. We have Christmas Eve at the end of this week and Christmas Day. So let's take it to a lighter a spot. All right, guys. Todd, Todd, Todd. Yes. Let me let me jump in here. Before we get into this, you've been gone a couple weeks. You've been traveling the globe. You've been seeing amazing things. You know, those of us who follow you on Facebook or Twitter, um, we're newly friends on Facebook. So thanks for that uh, request. I made the cut. Yes, I let her wait a little bit. Um, But we've been able to see what you've been up to. Tell us a little bit about where you've been and what you've been seeing. Sure. Uh, As a travel journalist, uh, I have the opportunity to go to some pretty interesting places. Uh, My background, uh, what got me to be a travel journalist, I was a... Uh, reporter, features reporter, the majority of my career with uh, Fox here, the local affiliate, have also worked in the reality television space and was a reality TV host uh, that was broadcast or uh, that was produced through Hubbard Broadcasting. Like so Bachelorette been, style? Uh, no, 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 no. It was, um, let's just say, <laughs> if I tell you the, what the concept is, you will right away understand what it is. People show different products. A, a group of judges judge the products that they think are the best, and then the team uh, invests in those. It sounds like, like another it, I show. Like it, I like Got it. it. So, sound like a show. Which one? Yes. Shark Tank. There you go. There you Very go. Good. All right. So yeah, this was kind of precursor to many of those type nice. deals, and I was the uh, host and producer of that syndicated show. I just needed to know if I could meet some of my, you know, my favorite people on the Bachelor series. Oh, I get it. okay. I get it. No, it's not a Bachelor deal. So yes. <laughs> so then I uh, was a uh, features reporter for many, many years, uh, close to eighteen years at uh, the Fox here, and of course the. Of course, the uh, pandemic changed a lot of things, but no events were going on, and uh, there was none, nothing to cover, no p- parades to chase, and uh, you know, special uh, galas and benefits going on. That kind of uh, stopped, and uh, because I also covered those for the magazines in town, primarily Minneapolis-St. Paul Magazine, Pioneer Press, Star Tribune. So that was pretty much my background that led me to travel journalism. So I had been working, uh, kind of building that piece with a of love of travel, like many of us do. And I thought, how can I merge my interest in travel with my interest in journalism? And so I've been uh, had the great fortune of working with a number of different brands that then will introduce me to, in this case, I was on a ship for Viking uh, Cruises, did, uh, launched their one of their newest ships, and uh, had the uh, you know the fortune to be able to travel with them quite a bit. So I was in the uh, I was in Spain. I flew into um, Italy, and then left uh, from Italy and went to the south of France, and then went into Spain and Barcelona. That's wonderful. Well, yeah. we I got to say I was we were talking about this before we recorded. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of questions about you, about your background, what you do, and stuff like that. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, give some explanation that I'm not just making it up when I say you're traveling the world. You'll be back for you know you'll be back in a week or so. That's really what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I do spend a lot of time uh, doing travel stories and writing travel stories for different publications, and uh, you know introducing people to different brands. And so as I travel along, we can still certainly do the show from wherever I am in uh, in the world. And uh, because in, in January I will uh, I'm going to uh, be doing the coast of Norway. So. And before oh, we wow. go on, um, Michael, I'm, I'm throwing this on to you. So if you have a quick question, you can you can add on. Um, you're all about you know keeping us on our toes with some fast questions. So we're going to do a couple sure. rapid fire for yeah, you. No problem. Um, favorite stop on this trip? Favorite stop is Barcelona. 
And should I? Can I tell you why? Sure. Okay. So uh, I know you follow me on Instagram, but one of the most fascinating things that I did find is uh, Barcelona is well known for Gaudi, Gaudi the architect, right? Antoni. Gaudi. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on an architect tour and looking at these amazing pieces and just like being a journalist looking for the story behind the story, something that's a little bit in- more interesting. I kept like a shining object looking to my left, looking to my left, because as the beautiful Gaudi architecture is on one side, there's a huge log. And I mean, the uh, what is the length of this room, guys? Probably how many feet? 30? 30, let's just, 30 feet. Let's just say 35, 40 feet. And there's this huge log with a face painted on the front and a uh, little cap on this uh, on the log and a big blanket covering the log. Uh, lo- the log. So I go up to the beautiful uh, woman from Barcelona. And they're gorgeous people, but they are also nose pickers. They all pick their nose. Okay. In Barcelona? Oh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful women going up and down the street, guys walking the street, having conversations with people with their nose, finger up their nose. Good to know. Anyway, so I'm talking to her and I said... Are you serious? I'm dead serious. And so I'm walking up to her and I said, can you tell me what is going on behind me? And she's absolutely gorgeous. And she's talking to me. She wasn't picking her nose at this point, but I saw her do a pick earlier. And so she's showing me this big log and pointing to it. And then at the end of each sentence, she explained it three times. She'd say, and I said, excuse me? She'd tell me again. All right. So I'm fast forward with the story. So I go up because there's a young man sitting at the end of this log. So I went up to him, I took my mic off, I interviewed him. Oops, sorry, hit my mic there. Uh, I went up to him, interviewed him, put my mic on him, and I said, can you explain what's happening here? Because all these kids were lining up like they do for Santa Claus here. And they're pounding on this uh, log and singing a song. So he explains to me that here's what happens. The kids in there uh, pound on the log, and he said, and then the log them a present. So in Catalonia... It is what it sounds like. It, in Catalonia, this is a ancient, ancient tradition. So I'm going to take it one step further and then before we move on here. So this log, the kids are lining up. They sing a song and they pound on the, on the log. And then he reaches down because he's under the blanket where the end of the oh log is. Where Come the people, on. And he pulls out a present to gives it to the kids. So what happens in the Catalonian uh, homes in, in you know Barcelona and all throughout Catalonia is they have logs in the home because now I had to research it because I found this way more interesting than Gaudi to be honest with you right and so they 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 have the logs in their homes and they're sold all over the Christmas markets and the kids throughout the month of December nourish the log they bring it oranges and apples and different things and then on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day they pull back the blanket only to have gifts that the log out for the kids. So you asked what was interesting and what was the highlight, only to find out that they're sold all over the Christmas markets and I'm going to give it just one step further and then we'll move on. All throughout Catalonia, I found pictures. Our audience, go out and take a look at Being Man. So every Catalonian household has a has a pic, has a little statue of a guy with his pants pulled down and under him is a pile of poop. And oh my goodness gracious! They have that little man in the manger scenes during Christmas. So this took a little bit of a turn. I know you asked me what, <laughs> what was the most interesting expecting. thing. So yes, that's that's to what all I have listeners. To do. If you Google Big Man," put Catalonia in there with it. Otherwise, yes. you might get some interesting. Um, yes. Look at Barcelona, yeah. Catalonia. Wow, the, the pooping man, and they're all over the place. So there, you've got it. What was the best thing he had to eat? 
The best thing I had to eat was in uh, in Italy, in a small town uh, that serves a sandwich that they're known for. Levon, right? Is that, is that the name of the, uh, the city? And they serve a, a sandwich that I looked, walked all over the streets to try to find. And it's almost like a cornmeal uh, between uh, what would be like a baguette. And they all love it, and it's their uh, uh, sandwich native to the area. And I always try to find something that's really interesting and a little bit different to talk about, like the pooper and like the sandwich. And it was a you know three hundred square foot store, and you couldn't even you stand outside to get in. It's yeah. not where I expected that story to go. It's not either, but I think it um, maybe brings us to our, our next topic of conversation <laughs> that I interrupted you from in the first. Place. No, no, no. That's fine. All right, so. Uh, thank you uh, for giving me the opportunity to talk about the pooper. And uh, if people want to see where you were sharing some yeah. of those travels, can you? Yeah, I sure. Mean- if you go to uh, any of my social media, is all Todd P. Walker, and I actually have a picture of the log. Uh, Come are you on. pulling it up? Pull up my social really? media. I have a picture of the, uh, the the pooping log and the man that explained it. It's all on. Uh, it's it's you can f- primarily find it on Instagram. You didn't get banned from Walker. Twitter for this. No, 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 no. But uh, look at the pooping man too. Yep, it's On it's it. it's pretty interesting. All right, so that's uh, a little bit about me and my travels, and uh, yeah, it, I do like what I do, but I, I love working with you guys, and you're going to hear more of me than you even want to. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. I absolutely. All right, and I'm going to pass the picture of the pooper to you guys. But while I'm doing that. Uh, I want to hear about a little bit about uh, your holiday traditions. Tell me some things that happen happens in the Broadcore house, and let's start with you, Becky. So tell us what happens there. Yeah, so uh, one thing you know that's been going on for since my mom actually was was young um, on on my mom's side of the family. Now her side of the family is the Rud Rud family. That's a a good you know Polish German. Wait, did you say Rud Rud? Rud Rud. Yep, that's that's the last name over there. My mom. Rud 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 Rud, same name twice. Nice and easy. And she comes from a big. You know, we come from a big Catholic family. So she's one of six Christmases on that side of the family. You know, we ha- pre-pandemic, um, we're easily fifty, sixty folks. And just being aunts and uncles, cousins. You know, my cousins' children's grandparents. Um, so big, big affairs. And one thing that always happened was Santa always came. So we, you know, typically, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, if your children is listening to this, maybe have them walk in another room. Well, I already talked about the pooping man. I think yes. that we've damaged <laughs> the kids. <laughs> no more Santa Claus, a pooping log. Uh, but we would have typically, you know, somebody dress up as, as Santa Claus and come in through the back door. Um, and with a sack of presents, we all had to sing a Christmas carol for Santa to hand out presents. And across all ages, usually, you know, we'd have from a... a a cousin's child down, you know, under one to my cousins that were mid forties would get called up by Santa with a little gift, usually, you know, like a, a game or a book or something small and funny. Occasionally an aunt and uncle would be brought up there. You had to go sit on Santa's lap and open the present while you were sitting on Santa's lap and, and it happened every year. We still had I mean Santa's uh, costume right now is you know some fifty years old. Uh, cousins did chip in recently and buy a new so it costume still there. So still happens. Yep. A Christmas Eve or Chris? When does it happen? So you know I come from a divorced family and so we we alternated every year um, based on me and my sister and so I'd go back and forth between Christmas Eve one year and Christmas Day the next year. Okay. And so what is the, the origin of the nationality of? 
above your father and your mother? Um, you know, we're, I like to call us, you know, uh, Western European mutts. You know, we're Polish, we're German, we're Norwegian, we're a little bit of all of that kind of stuff. So traditional foods, and then we're going to move over to Michael. That you you know, eat. my grandparents, um, we, we'd have lefse and uh, and lutefisk. We're, we're not a stranger to our appetizer table. And then, you know, the typical pickle wraps and meatballs and things of that sort. All right. Well, we still we do make lutefisk and le- I mean we make lefse every year. I, I love lefse. All right, Michael, tell us a little bit about your uh, your holiday traditions and what happens in the Broadcorb household. Well, let's start with the first thing. We are a Christmas morning household. Okay, so Christmas presents, Christmas morning. Kasana's got to come on, uh, on on Christmas Eve. So that's the one thing. And there's a, uh, that's one question that I like to focus on a little bit or one answer because it's divided in a lot of households. A lot of households do Christmas Eve, and, and we've always been a Christmas morning household. Um, we are a, a elf on the shelf. Um, oh, that what's creepy its name? little lurker. What's its that name? Elfie. Come on. We're, we're, none of us had elves on the shelf. Go ahead, Becky. You can blow your nose if you'd like. Have heard the uh, no, no. This, was a new, this is a new thing. I did not have elf, no. the elf on the shelf when I was a kid. Okay. You've, you've got to hold it right there for a moment. Okay. Me, I, I don't have children. And uh, this elf on the shelf freaks me out. I mean, if we think the pooping log is odd, <laughs> you've got a little creature, the lurker, who appears in these areas. You, you two that are parents, uh, defend the creeper. It's fantastic. It's a great way just to keep the kids in line. And it adds a little additional mystery to the, the, the Christmas season. It was fun. It was absolutely fun. I mean, my kid's under one. He's only five months old. And I already tried to use the, you better stop crying at night or Santa's not going to come. So, I mean, I can only imagine when your kid actually understands it and says that Elfie is going to go travel back to Santa and let him know when you were naughty. I mean, sign me up for anything to keep that kid in line. It was a fantastic way in which to institute a little bit of discipline prior to the holiday, right before the start of Christmas. Well, I mean, mean, in a brilliant, can we say that in, uh, I think this needs to go down in history in our lifetime, is one of the most brilliant marketing ad campaigns uh, that you can imagine. It's like a pet rock, right? I mean, but 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 it goes on forever. The pet rock goes in and out of, uh, you know, you know, popularity. But this elf, I mean, I understand they have like clothes for him and different things. The elf on the shelf is justice in the household. It's like bringing a prison warden in during the Christmas season. It's fantastic. The, 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 the pet rock doesn't go back and report to anyone. I, I, okay, the elf on I the still, shelf does. I still find him a creepy lurker. Guys, uh, I just can't get over it. I'd rather have the poop log than Elf the creepy lurker. Is great. And right. he's, got, he's got a reindeer. He's got a St. Bernard. They got a, whole, they got a whole assortment of things that come with them. All right. You guys uh, did a good job of defending the lurker, I'm just going to call him. Elf on the Shelf is great. I got one more thing, though. Um, I know that, you know, I- I'm new, a new mom around here. I know that there's uh, a lot of different things going around on the town. Todd, I know you better than anybody, knows the ins and outs of what's really going on here. Good things, whether it's new traditions to start with your family, you know, things that happen annually or once a year. What what, what should we go out and check out well, in the talk next about week turning, or two? turning the tables. I spend my entire yes. career interviewing people, talking about uh, uh, what they're doing, but now we're going to talk a little bit about me, it looks like here. So, But yes, I'm happy to share. I, on a regular ba- basis, uh, publish and do, do uh, YouTube shows and uh, a guest on a number of different programs talking about Todd About Town and what's going on around the Twin Cities. So you have uh, just... 
probably five, six days, or depending when you're going to you're listening to this podcast. But I do have some suggestions, some great things that you can do right here around the Twin Cities. Of course, there's Holodazzle downtown Minneapolis. Uh, you know that's always well attended. A lot of lot of fun things you can do there. Uh, but the, my probably some of my top picks is if you haven't been to Glow at CHS Field. Uh, I've been to Bentleyville. I covered that for Minnesota Monthly one year and did a whole story and what goes on up there, and that's up in Duluth. But how this Glow this Glow Festival that is at CHS Stadium? Have either one of you gone yet? No, no. I mean it's, oh, not, it's not like the Netflix Glow wrestling. Oh, you guys thing, have right? to go to Glow. I, I actually have that on my Instagram, a video of that as well. But it used to be it was at the State Fair. By the way, great reference, Becky. <laughs> it was at the State Fair uh, in the past, and you drove through with your car, and it was. I, I'm going to be honest. I thought it was kind of lame. Uh, it is. It'll blow you away now. I've sent a number of people there. The the video was done did very well for them, and it is just it's a spectacle of lights. If you have young kids, there's a slide the kids can go down. Uh, you walk around CHS Field in a very controlled environment, and it is just a sea of lights. It's it's absolutely a must see. So I'm going to recommend that. Can and I get some cider or a cocktail or yes, mini donuts? Yes, you, they they have they have concession stands as Fantastic. well. Fantastic. Yep, and the there are a couple of the other things. It, yes. This is also a time of year that a lot of people like to see shows, right? And at the Ordway right now, it is Beauty and the Beast, which is just a fantastic uh, production. Uh, Jamisia Bennett, uh, who many people in town know, she plays the the character that you know was uh, brought to life by uh, Angela Lansbury uh, many years ago, Mrs. Mrs. Potts. Potts. Yes. yes. So it, it is really a great show. It's a wonderful production. The stage is bigger than life because it was designed actually for a theater group in uh, Arizona, and it was an outdoor stage. So it's, it's very large, and uh, they have some great local talent that's in, in the show as well. If you are a parent and you haven't brought your kids to see Grinch, I'm going to say that you are the Grinch because <laughs> the Grinch is fantastic. Uh, Reed, who plays the Grinch, uh, whenever the show is there, is fantastic. He actually, one year I was filming the Grinch or uh, doing a live shot for Fox, and he said, Let's shake it up this year. How about if I do your makeup and we put you in? Oh, one I of the saw Grinch. these pictures. Yeah, in the Grinch costume. I sent it out that year as my Christmas card saying, uh, You know, uh, naughty or nice, basically. Um, if you don't go to see the log on his page, you gotta go see Todd <laughs> dressed as the Grinch. It is worth oh, the it. Was, so he did my makeup, and and uh, Reed, who's played it for years, is just a, uh, just a, a wonderful guy. His wife is also in the show. So see the Grinch. Fantastic. Children's Theater, Children's right? Theater does just an amazing job. And now for something uh, that is maybe for more for the adults, Black Nativity, which has been uh, which has been at Penumbra for many, many years. They change it every year. Uh, Greta Oglesby is, plays one of the leads. Sanford Moore is the musical director, and Dennis Spears is the other vocalist. Fantastic show. No intermission. 90 minutes long, and some of the best music you'll ever hear, as well as they tell the Christmas story. Um, and then two other things that are a little bit uh, maybe a, a not so traditional uh, when it comes to music and holiday lights. Go see the gingerbread houses at the Norway house. Uh, just really great. $10 to get in for adults. Just to, They have 150 different gingerbread houses by uh, by professionals as well as kids. And it's beautiful. And then go to the Swedish American Swedish Institute over on Park Avenue and check out the beautiful rooms. They have a... Rooms that are decorated uh, to replicate uh, the s- different places in uh, Scandinavia. So it's beautiful. Those are great suggestions. Um, 
Your child is around a year, you said? Five months. Five months. Wait until, right, five months, that's right, under five. I mean, under a year old. Yeah. Wait until you start doing, making gingerbread houses. Nothing, we, I should have brought that up. You're just reminding me about the gingerbread. Nothing brings mayhem, arguments, and insanity more into my house than when the kids are making gingerbread. We're going to do it tomorrow night. And, and it's, it's, it's like setting Not up... Not we as in this podcast, but you and your children. Me and my children are going to do this. Um, my lovely wife stays away for just a little bit, goes to another part, and, and I try to navigate the kids doing this. It is... It's like setting up uh, a battlefield when the kids do this. You know, this is one my mom is always big, hands-on, let's do crafts, let's do games. Um, and she still, to this day, says that was the worst decision she ever made as a mother was to do this. Do you use the hot glue or do you just do the frosting? Frosting... Okay, I'm going to take that actually one step further. It's not just for kids. Uh, I, for many, many years, hosted Christmas Eve, and uh, I I would uh, celebrate a different culture, and everybody had to make the food at my place. And then I'd do a different activity. And every year I'd do something different. And so one year I... It was all adults, and I put people on teams of two. I bought gingerbread, all the pieces for the gingerbread houses, and then I went to Michael's and Target, and I bought interesting frostings and different things that you could make and create a gingerbread house. You know that time of the night on Christmas Eve, at least for adults, when you're done eating and you're like, what are we going to do now? It's a great activity. Trust yeah. me. It's a Sign lot of me fun. up. A couple that's glasses a of wine, yeah. good competition. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. in. Yeah. So that's a, that is, it really is a, a fun thing to do, and especially with adults. So it's not just for kids. All right. This show has gone on a little bit longer than usual. Uh, next week, uh, we'd love to have you tune in and, uh, and listen in because we're going to talk about some predictions going into 2023. We're going to uh, talk about maybe some of the, the different things that, uh, what was that, Becky? Go ahead. You can just share it with me. <laughs> She's sending uh, <laughs> me notes across the room, thinking that I can read it that far. Yes. Um, if you like this podcast, oh, yes. I want to hear more of oh, us. Becky, that's totally on my list. But yeah, so we would love to. We're going to talk about uh, New Year's resolutions that maybe Michael and Becky have, ones that have worked in the past, maybe tips for some of our listeners to keeping New Year's resolutions. And I'm going to tease you with one thing. All right? You're going to want to talk to me next week, and you're going to want to listen in next week because uh, I do some uh, different sponsored uh, posts and some different work on Instagram. I'm going to leave you with this before we give everybody ways for you guys to talk, uh, to reach out to them. Uh, Tomorrow afternoon, right now, I will be laying on my back in St. Paul because uh, I'm doing a a post and a video at Move Colonics. I'm getting a colonic. Tomorrow afternoon. Jeez Louise. Yeah, yep. And so I will uh, be getting that tomorrow. Never had one before, but am I a little bit nervous about this uh, uh, colonic? No bah, pun bah, bah. intended. No pun so intended. Let me... <laughs> oh, no. There we go. There, there you go. go. There we go. You know what I'm, you know what I'm calling the uh, video and the promotion is? Because I'm going to run it the, after the first of the year. Out with the old. You Come like it? On. I know. Oh, so, uh, this is why I pay him the big bucks. All right. Guys. So you guys, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the colonics next week. All right. Guys, f- number one, we want to know if you like this show. Wherever you're listening to your podcast, you know, give us a rating. You know, maybe uh, if it's a one to five, I mean, I think uh, at least one point for each one of us would give us a three. And That's a little, fair. A, a like little that. extra That's added fair. credit. So let us know what you think, what you like, what you dislike, but definitely rate this podcast and wherever you are getting your podcast. Now, if you have comments, you have comments for going us going into 2023, 
of guests that you might want to hear because we're going to start bringing some guests in. I know we promised you that, but that's going to happen. Uh, guests that you might want to hear, topics you might want to discuss, anything that you would like us to focus on going into 2023, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach me on any social media platform at Todd P. Walker. That's where you can find me. But it's really reaching out to the hosts of this show and uh, giving them suggestions, letting them know what you think of their opinions on a lot of these different topics. So, Becky, if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Yes, at Allery RL, you can find me. Be sure if you have any good traditions or if you have also seen The Log Man, uh, be sure to share your stories with us. Again, Allery RL. And I'm at, at M Broadcorp for all your hate mail suggestions. Um, probably mostly hate mail. I mean, that's the best place to reach us. Adam Broadcorp on Twitter and all social media platforms. All right. Well, once again, thank you so much for giving us uh, your time. We just want to wish you all a very happy holiday season, uh, safe holiday season, and we will uh, be back to you the week before January 1st with some predictions going into the year. Once again, I'm Todd Walker, joined by Becky Allery and Michael Broadcorp, and thank you for listening.